Howdy, everyone, and welcome to Moment of Truth, the podcast of American Moment. My name is Saurabh Sharma, the president of American Moment, and I'm joined by Nick Solheim, the COO of American Moment. And we're so excited to have you guys back for yet another episode. This podcast has been growing by leaps and bounds, and we're so excited by all the fantastic feedback we've gotten. I want to urge you again to go to AmericanMoment.org because what American Moment about is so much more than just this one podcast. In fact, it's it's really an accessory to what we're doing. The core of what we're trying to achieve is, is really trying to identify, educate, and credential the next generation of conservative personnel that will go on to lead in places like Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and elsewhere. One of the things that I want to draw your attention to is AmCanon. This podcast, we talk about important issues. In fact, in this very episode, we talk about family, culture, economics, and so on. But there's only so much you're going to be able to learn and understand by listening to us. You need to be able to read and watch and engage with other forms of content. And that's what we've done at AmCanon by assembling some of the best books, essays, podcasts, YouTube videos, and sh- and so on that we've put on our website. So please be sure to check it out. Uh, what else do we have on our website that people need to be looking at, Nick? Yeah, so I want to explicitly highlight you know, both our application for Summit Um, a conference on American statecraft. Uh, We have a conference interest form uh, that people can can fill out that talks about, um, you know, people's background and what their policy interests are. Uh, And then we also have um, an application for the Fellowship of American Statecraft, which uh, is basically a paid internship program that American Moment is launching this summer that will pay our fellows $3,000 a month um, for the whole summer for 10 weeks uh, to basically give them a crash course in Washington, D.C. and how they can support the uh, 10 founding principles of American Moment. So highly encourage you to apply for the Fellowship on American Statecraft uh, as well as uh, fill out the conference interest form for Summit, a conference on American statecraft. And look, we're still designing the contours of what Summit's going to involve every day. And that's the, mm. and so there's a reason it's an interest form. If you fill it out, you are going to be integral to helping us shape the contours of what issues we prioritize, what kind of speakers we bring in, and how we design the entire programming. So it really does matter. And it also makes our lives a lot easier as we plan it. So please be sure to check it out. As far as the episode today, we're incredibly excited to have another absolute banger of a guest. It's one of our (laughs) best friends in Washington, D.C., Terry Schilling. In addition to his most important role as a member of the Board of Advisors of American Moment, Terry also does fantastic work every day defending the American family as the executive director of the American Principles Project. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what APP does during the episode, but he's also on the board of CPAC, the conservative political action conference that many of you may have been at. And Terry is just one of the bravest people in DC I know. In addition to being a great father, husband, and mentor of ours, he's also an incredibly bold policy mind. He stood against the prevailing orthodoxy in this city time and time again when it was hard and has built an institution that is really making waves every day. And we get deep in this episode. Uh, If Mm. you are the faint of heart, you should not listen to it. We talk about some of the pressing crises facing our country, whether it's marriage and family formation, going to issues like the pornography crisis and what it's doing to young men in American society. So we really enjoyed it. Nick, what'd you think about it? Yeah, I mean, 
listen, I want to push back on you a little bit and say that Terry's most important role is actually as a husband and a father. That's probably right. <laughs> as opposed to our, uh, you know, one of our like founding uh, board of advisors members. Um, listen, you know, I, I interact with Terry some on Twitter and, and I just want to say that Terry is one of the foremost role models that I seek to model my life after, uh, like personally. On a, on, on a personal level, um, you know, he he's just an incredible guy, you know, married, has five kids, doing his best to, um, you know, uh, follow Christ's way of life uh, on this earth. And, and I'm just deeply appreciative of, appreciative of him as a person, but also of him coming on the podcast and talking about some of the political realities of implementing family-focused policy in Washington, D.C., we try to bring some variety to you at American Moments, Moment of Truth. We've done episodes on conservative environmentalism, what it's like on Capitol Hill, the media, mm. and so on. Uh, this one's just like that in the sense that it's nothing like the rest. We really <laughs> hope you give it a listen. And without further ado, please welcome Terry Schilling to the podcast. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Terry. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. Uh, you know, give us a little bit of background. How did you end up in the position where you are today, where you're the executive director of American Principles Project? We've had lots of people on the podcast, and everyone has a slightly different DC story. What's what's yours? How did you get here? So I, I came here actually in 2013, January. I'm almost on eight years, a little bit over eight years. Uh, came here after my dad uh, lost our we lost our race for Congress uh, for getting reelected. And um, I was offered the gig at this uh, small organization, American Principles Project, as their political director. Uh, they were on the precipice of something really great. And they were, they were basically at the heart of reforming the Republican Party in the very beginning. We produced an autopsy. We found out early on that the RNC was getting ready to produce an autopsy detailing how and why the Republican Party lost the 2012 presidential election. And what they were going to say is, is that social issues distracted from the Republicans winning economic message. And when Frank Cannon and Maggie Gallagher and I heard that, we couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> it was the exact opposite of why the Republican Party lost. So we decided to write an autopsy. Um, it's called Build Building a Winning Coalition. And it was why the Republican Party lost, which is that, one, your economic message sucks. It doesn't speak to workers. It speaks to business owners. And only 5% of Americans are business owners. Mm. But two, social issues are winning in minority communities with women. You know, banning abortion at 20 weeks. Super popular among all different types of communities. Um, gay marriage, uh, you know, opposing gay marriage and tr supporting traditional marriage. That outpolled Mitt Romney in 2012 everywhere it was on the ballot. So we argued, we had a counter autopsy that basically was picked up by Donald Trump later on, where he took this populist economic message along with social conservatism and used it to win the 2016 election. Um, Jeremy Peters from the New York Times is writing a book on this. We're very excited about it. But that was basically my foray, how I got into APP. And I just fell in love because it was what I had experienced on the 2012 campaign. You know, my dad was this union guy. Uh, father of 10, Catholic guy, uh, running in a Western Illinois district. And he ran on Jesus, baby and guns, basically. Um, and also the fact that he was a union guy. 
he didn't want people to have to choose between their pocketbooks and their values. So he put together this working class, pro-family, pro-worker platform, and it killed it in 2010. And then we get to 2012, Mitt Romney's the head of the Republican Party, and he's the Bain Capital guy. He's shipping jobs overseas. Um, so it was what I had experienced. It really resonated with me. I knew that the Republican Party's economic message sucked, and I knew that the social issues were a, a big, big help for, for winning campaigns. So tell us about the American Principles Project, APP. Like, tell us a little more, you know, for our listeners who may not be familiar, uh, could you just tell us more about like what, you know, exactly you're proposing and what your guys' uh, most important values are? Yeah. Uh, what we do is very simple. Our mission is to organize families in politics in order to fight the enemies of the American way of life. You put simply, we're the NRA for families. Right. Like the NRA organizes gun owners in politics to protect gun rights. And we want to organize families in politics to protect families. We want to make it easier to get married, have babies and protect our kids in school. It's very simple. And it's it's much needed. Like you think about it. OK, if you're a senior citizen and politicians are going to take away your Medicare or cut, cut your Social Security, where do you go? You go to the AARP. Uh, politicians are going to take away your gun rights, you know, make you go through all these un unnecessary hurdles. You go to the NRA, but you don't have anywhere to go for families like when 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 george soros is pumping millions of dollars into your local school board races mm -hmm. there's no group fighting that and i want to get i want to build app to be five and a half million members or more i actually think we can get to 10 million members if we try hard enough there's more families than that in the united states I, yeah i think that's right i think that's right but if we can get them organize them in politics we can have a group of five to 10 million people that just kick ass in politics and it'll be the thing that turns around this country. I really do believe that. Mm. That's excellent. So let's dive in a little bit into the issues because I know that you guys have been particularly nimble with the times. You focused on big tech as of late. You've really been entrepreneurial on things like paid family leave and child tax credits and things like that. What are some of the priorities that APP is looking at, you know, maybe this Congress or in the coming years as winning issues that it's trying to focus on? Um, I'll start with the number three for us, which is killing the Equality Act. Uh, the the left has just gone nuts. Can you nuts. explain what the Equality Act is? What the Equality Act would do is it would put sexual orientation and gender identity into our civil rights law. So right now it only protects four classes, race, sex, religion, and national origin. This would add gender identity and sexual orientation to it. It would allow for uh, guys who think they're girls to enter into our daughter's sports, into their locker rooms, into their showers, into battered women's shelters, into homeless shelters, you name it, it's crazy. It lets it basically erases women and all the protections that we've had um, in civil rights law for women out of the equation. Um, so we want to kill that. And we've had a lot of success with that by focusing on the aspects of the Equality Act that are most toxic. There, you know, when you hear the Equality Act, you think, oh, what a beautiful bill, what a beautiful piece of, of legislation. And it's honestly the worst piece of legislation ever because it erases all the protections we fought for for women. And so we focus primarily on the women's sports angle because politicians love talking about that. And there are like millions of dads across this country who have daughters who are really pissed off about these guys mm. entering their daughter's sports. So it's an issue that's really taken taken off everyone in the Republican Party from Nikki Haley in the more moderate rank, wing of the party to Donald Trump are now talking about the women's sports issue that the Equality Act imposes upon. Um, secondly, 
So our whole mission, just to go back to that, is to organize families in politics to protect the American way of life. If you look at the big tech censorship that's going on, they're keeping families like ours from being able to organize in politics. So we have to address that. We have to hold these big tech platforms to a First Amendment standard. And then our number one priority, and this is the undergirding of everything in America, is election integrity. We partnered with the Susan B. Anthony List. We have a $7 million plan that we've already raised half of the money for. And the goal is, is to get rid of all of the garbage rules that the Democrats changed in the 2020 election to rig it in favor of Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working in states like Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania. You name the problematic state. We're working in conjunction. We're organizing families to fight against this. So election integrity, big tech censorship and, and killing the Equality Act are our three top priorities this year. And then more long term, what is it? You know, you mentioned how you. You looked at the Republican Party circa 2012 and felt like it had a losing message on economics. You guys have been really entrepreneurial in terms of changing that. You know, in 10 years, what would you want the Republican Party and the conservative movement to make its standard bearers, its flags in terms of economic policy that supports the family? So just to back up real quick, I I think that the real big problem is that the Democratic Party is controlled by government elitists. They want government bureaucrats controlling our lives and telling us how to live them. I think the Republican Party, to a fault, has been controlled by business elitists, the Chamber of Commerce, big Mm -hmm. business. They want business elitists who know how to control capital and get capital the right places to control our society and and make the rules for us. I see a totally different Republican Party. And this is long term. I'd like to make the the Republican Party the party of families. I want the Republican Party, every time they pass a law, Uh, I want them to think about the consequences that that law and that policy is going to have on families. If it's hurting the economics of working families, you don't pass it. If it's going to make it hard to get married, you don't pass it. If it's going to make it hard to have kids, you don't pass it. Families are the, 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 the building block of America. And without them, we're going to die. And the thing is, you know, in the 1980s, you could argue that we had too many marriages, right? We had a divorce epidemic. Everyone was getting divorced. Everyone's getting married three and four times. And today we have a much worse problem, actually. We have a lack of marriages, which means we have a lack of children, which means we're dying as a country. And so long term, I want to make it so that every politician is thinking of the American family as the number one special interest group. I don't want them caring about what Google says. I don't want them caring about what Facebook or Verizon Wireless says. I want them caring about what American families care about. That's success in my mind, and that's what we're building towards. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a lot of – I want to move to like the the child tax credit mm-hmm. issue in particular. You know, you'll you'll have a lot of Republicans, you know, more like libertarian leaning, saying that. Just uh, me. I have to get. I have to top my drink off. This is, <laughs> this is enough. You know, you have a lot of those folks. T- you know, top me off while you're while you're at it. Um, you have a lot of folks saying that. Uh, many people are saying that that's socialism. Uh, you know, supporting. Uh, working families and, and, you know, ensuring that they are able to afford to have children. Uh, there are mainstream Republicans saying that that is socialism. So, um, you know, for, for the people in our audience who are, you know, not necessarily Christians and, 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 and don't believe that it's their moral imperative to, to have children and to, you know, be fruitful and multiply, uh, why is it important? 
that Republicans support um, policies that ensure family growth? Um, and basically, why is it important uh, that American families are having children? So it, it's important. Families and, and families having children is important for a lot of reasons. I'll start with politically. Family, this just, I'm just going to write to the cheapest end of the <laughs> you know, like So if you're a Republican, you care, and you're a conservative or a libertarian, and you don't like socialism, you need to vote to support families and support pro-family economics because it's the families who have children who are producing the next generation of constitutional libertarian type conservatives, right? Mm. Uh, the, 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 we've done a lot of studies on this, actually, and it's fascinating. There is a direct correlation between family formation and political outcomes. Mm. What we found is that the married ch married families with children vote like conservative libertarians. They want a limited government. They want social values to be upheld in, in the public square. They don't like high taxes on businesses. But at the, on the other end of the spectrum, these never married and cohabitating households, those are our nightmare. Those are the households that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are raised in mm. and they produce socialists. Because why? It's very simple. These, these families that when they're never married or cohabitating, these kids start off life on government assistance, right? So they start off with like, you know, on the parents on food stamps or, or the parents on unemployment or disability. It's a nightmare. And they end up thinking government is my parent. We need to prioritize family formation to get more conservatives voting in politics and to continue this American experiment. Without it, we'll die. Economically speaking, it's a no-brainer. You need more people. Otherwise, you're going to have more old people than young people. And more less young people means less people paying taxes. It's, it's just basically that simple. like the Japan story right now. It's exactly the Japan story. And you do not want to go down that road. I mean, Japan is socially and culturally really screwed up when it comes to sex and procreation. I mean, the, the, the stories that come out of Japan about how parents have to hire strippers basically to get their young men interested in sex because they're so porn addicted. They mm. don't even connect the sexual act to a human being. That's insane. And America's on the verge of going down that route. I know it sounds crazy right now, but with virtual reality porn, all these sex toys, like it's not crazy to think that in a few years with our declining marriage rates, our declining birth rates, we're below replacement levels now when mm -hmm. it comes to birth rates. So we're not even replacing enough Americans to keep the population the same. Um, it's not crazy to think that we will have a Japan crisis here when it comes to population. So, but, but be, beyond that, people that are saying that this is socialism are just ridiculous. I mean, just absolutely... If you th if you just compare how corporations are treated with their taxes versus how families are treated, corporations, number one, pay taxes on their net income, which means they get to cut out the costs of their rent, their employment, their their benefits they pay their employees and their cost of doing business before they they pay the taxes on that. So when I'm a family, though. I'm basically a small business in a way, right? Like mm. I have, I'm the, I'm the CEO as the, actually my wife is the CEO. <laughs> uh, my wife's the CEO and uh, she, you know, she's in charge and we have these little employees that we have to pay to train, you know, through their education. We have to feed them, clothe them and shelter them. 
I don't get to write any of that off of my taxes at the end of the year. Mm. But a corporation doing the same thing for its employees gets to do all of that. So if you want to talk about socialism, socialism is taxing people more than businesses, right? Like it really says a lot about the priorities of the American government and the IRS when it comes to how we tax the American people. And we primarily rely on taxing American families instead of corporations. And it really should be 50-50. Mm. I mean, if you do the breakdown and it's something like 69% of all federal taxes are paid by families. And only 31% are paid by businesses through excise taxes, the corporate tax rate, and payroll taxes. It's crazy. It should be 50-50. So if you want to talk about socialism, let's talk about that and, and how corporations really aren't taxed their fair share. You mentioned earlier how the pornography issue in other countries has been a big part of doing damage to the family and, and, and people's desire to, to have families and to have kids. That's an issue that you guys have been very active on as well. And a lot of the kids that that appreciate American Moment and, and certainly us as well have been very attentive to. What's the crisis right now in American life when it comes to the pornography issue? And when what's APP's solution to the problem? You know, I had a friend um, tell me a few years ago that there are worse things than teenage pregnancies. And he was speaking in regard to the pornography epidemic. And what we have today is we've created a system where any 10-year-old with a smartphone has an adult bookstore, to use a euphemism, in their, in their pocket. We have no age verification, no meaningful age verification anyway. Uh, we have no restrictions. We have no regulations of, of pornography online whatsoever. We aren't protecting our kids. The Supreme Court in 1997... There was a, a Supreme Court decision, ACLU versus Reno, where they struck down the Communications Decency Act. And what they basically said was, yeah, this bill and this, this law puts um, age verification and, and um, restricts pornography access, um, but it poses an undue burden on pornography consumers. So the Supreme Court and the, and the most laughable thing. <laughs> no, God forbid. It, the, the, the defendants in the case actually argued that, um, you know, this was the Internet was just like television and radio. And that since we could regulate content on te broadcast television and radio, we certainly must be able to do so with the Internet. And the Supreme Court, as 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 as, you know, relevant and, and smart as they are, they said, well, the Internet is so small. And it's not as um, encroaching on our lives as, as television or radio. It's ridiculous today. I mean, I don't, I don't know the last time I've actually sat down and watched television. Um, the Internet um, poses a much bigger burden on our lives than, than it ever could have been imagined in 1987. So what our organization has done is we focus on age verification. I have a very simple theory. If we can keep kids off of porn until they like actually experience being with a girl, uh, they're going to think porn's really weird. So I just want to protect kids at first. If we can get meaningful age verification, which is what we've been working on, um, passed, and it's very doable, it's super majority support across the American public. Um, if we could get that done, uh, it would be incredible. And it would save a lot of people. I, it just, the idea of pornography is so weird, right? Like it, it really, it's like the cigarette industry uh, several <clears throat> years ago. It preys upon young people who think they're cool. You, you know, you, who, who doesn't love naked women, right? As a young man, it's great, but it's really weird. Eventually, like you, you reach the age of 20 and it's like, you're watching other people have sex on camera. That's weird. 
you should be pursuing women. You should be pursuing, you know, having your own relationships. And and I think that that's the biggest problem with pornography is that it's a replacement for sex and young children can't comprehend that. They think it's part of sex. Um, so anyway, what we do is we just try to protect kids. Um, it's gross. It needs to stop. And if you can keep kids from looking at porn, just like how we, if we can keep kids from smoking cigarettes, um, you're going to have a lot less kids using porn to replace sex and have more families. It's, it's all intertwined. I mean, it's crazy. Like I went to a uh, small private Christian university and in, and in Bible study, you know, we'd all sit down together and like every single one of us as like young men, like we go around the room and talk about like, you know, when was the first time that you ever saw porn and like it started to destroy your life and we go around the room and one person would be like 11 12 yep. you know 14 10 like it it was just insane mm -hmm. like it was destroying many of these young men's lives and 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 for a lot of us at the time like it continued to do so it, it was not something that happened when we were teenagers but you know we like grew out of it mm -hmm. uh, i think it created um an ongoing issue for a lot of people. One of the stories of how pervasive pornography is in American life that I love to bring up as an intersection of the economic side of this mm -hmm. and, and the social side of this is that the, the company that hosts Pornhub mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the other biggest pornography conglomerates is called MindGeek. Mm -hmm. In 2011, MindGeek uh, raised about a third of a billion dollars uh, in funding from about 150 investors. Uh, and some of those investors were J.P. Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. uh, you know, big investing firms, Cornell University's institutional endowment. So right now in American society, the game is that Pell Grants, federally subsidized <laughs> by the American government, uh, you know, send kids to get indebted uh, and then not be able to have families. But then that money that it ultimately goes to the universities mm -hmm. is then put back in into our usurious financial system mm -hmm. into investing in newer and newer pornography distribution technology. Mm -hmm. Like it's the most radicalizing story on all of this. And I like to bring it up every chance I can get. Can we bring back like Occupy Wall Street? Like, can we just start <laughs> yeah. that again after this podcast? <laughs> Occupy Wall Street, but in order to stop them from funding American social decline. Right. Yeah. It's a big problem. So, okay. On one side of the issue, you have, you know, people's appetites and their desires mm -hmm. getting manipulated and contorted by this porn epidemic. It's a huge mm -hmm. problem. But suppose that isn't some something that someone's dealing with. You know, what are the the economic barriers that people face uh, when it comes to getting married and having mm -hmm. kids? Nick was on a television show recently where he got into this with people, where mm -hmm. you have some older folks, baby boomers and such, who don't acknowledge that there is a new problem when it comes to people being able to afford families. They say, well, mm -hmm. I paid my way through college. I had a great income, was yep. able to easily have yep. kids. Why is that no longer the case? Well, I, I that's actually gets a really important point in, in why I love what you guys are doing at American Moment is because when I got married, I had like $20,000 worth of student loan debt. That's rare. Most kids today, they graduate college and they've got $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 more of student loan debt. So they get married and then they marry someone else with that same amount. You now have a mortgage of student loan debt. It's impossible to pay off. And what I love about what you guys are doing is you're finding a way around all that garbage. Like it, 
you don't need to go to college anymore. Actually, I think that kids that go to college are actually dumber a lot of times than the kids that don't. Because, like, you're basically paying a bunch of, you know, rich white people money to indoctrinate you or force you to get a certification. Those kids that don't go to college, they start their own businesses or figure out how to work their way up into an organization uh, without the college degree, they're a lot smarter than those kids that have to go through the formula. Um, they haven't had lead paint poured into their ears over right. the last you know, <laughs> right. four <Right>. years. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you look at, so you get married, you get married to someone and you now have a mortgage, but it's not for your home. Your mortgage is now for college. And the thing is you can't, because you have this college degree and everyone has a college degree now, there's no economic benefit to it. So you end up having the mortgage for the student loan. Then you have to get a mortgage or pay rent, which is even worse, for your housing. And then you have to get a car. And then the idea comes like, oh, we should we have a kid? Should we have a baby? I don't know. Uh, and the, if people don't feel economically safe or secure, they're not going to have that baby. So we have to remove those barriers. I'm actually not opposed to student loan relief or, you know, stuff like that, as long as it's tied to family formation, right? Like you, you great. You want your student loans forgiven. We're all about that. But guess what? You got to have children that are going to pay off that debt. So mm. if you have one child, maybe we reduce your student loan debt by 25%. You have a second 50% all the way to four and you have a hundred percent. That is awesome. I have never heard that proposed before, and I think that's a brilliant idea. We're just um, always thinking about how to give me more. Like, look, it's very easy. I just think about how to how I would benefit on the tax code, yeah. and I just do those policies because I, you know, it's just how I do it. How yeah. many kids do you have, Terry? I have five children, and they're the best and worst things in my life. No, they're the best. Just... You, you post pictures of them on Twitter all the time. I'm going to err on the side of best. Yeah, they're they're, they're the very best. cute kids, um, and you're you're living what you preach. I mean, it seems like everyone at APP, um, and we know a lot of your staff, uh, they have thriving families and it's, it's important to live that out as much as possible. Um, you know, th these economic barriers to people having children, um, I, I, I keep thinking it ends up robbing people of a mm -hmm. central part of what it means to be human, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, people always talk about how, oh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather travel and have these experiences. And we're getting you know, really deep here now. <laughs> I know, but, but it does matter because it, there's a reason that strong families is literally the first of our kind of tripartite framework for what American moment is for, which is mm -hmm. strong families, a sovereign nation and prosperity for all. Mm -hmm. Because if it, you're right, families are the building block of any civilization. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that not only do all of your actuarial tables and everything get screwed up on social security, that stuff matters, sure. But you don't have a civilization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I always recognize that I'm in a more thriving society if I walk into a room that is a whole bunch of kids and we're robbing entire generations mm -hmm. of that. You know, let's get a little doomer here. What happens if we don't fix this issue? What does American society look like in 20 years if you have two subsequent generations, you know, the millennials and the Zoomers, who just don't form families and don't have kids? Um, hmm. I mean, like, uh, it's really tough to say. I mean, there's a million ways it could play out, but it's none of them are good, yeah. right? It all ranges from worst to worst. Um, I think the most likely thing that will end up happening is um, there will end up becoming um, insurmountable debt uh, for Social Security and Medicare. 
And then that's when you'll have to start having rationing panels. You'll have to start having, you know, if you don't have this next generation of workers coming in and paying for Social Security and Medicare, you're going to have to make tough decisions about cutting off Medicare and Medicaid. And so then you'll have, does our budget you know, does do our tax revenues cover Medicare and Medicaid? Does it cover our military? You're gonna have to make serious, serious cuts. And at this time, our national debt will probably be like a hundred trillion instead of just like thirty trillion. So, like your the national debt payment, it's just a nightmare. Like it's like not, it's bankruptcy, right? Like that's ultimately what it is. It's bankruptcy. It's the end of the current American regime, and you have to figure out how to. You know, other countries have gone through this, like Russia has procreation days where like basically if you have a baby within nine months of that day you get paid money and that's how drastic it has to get so like all the catholic families should be like maybe i don't know hoping for this but you really (laughs) don't want it it'll be a lot worse um we should all just be having kids because it's a nightmare like just practically speaking you need young people entering in the workforce and paying taxes and generating income and here's the, here's the amazing thing about family formation. When you first fall in love and you get engaged and you, you, you get married, like it's the first time in your life where you care about another human being mm-hmm. and you're, you push yourself further, right? Like you stay later, you put them, you, you save up money, you, you put the money down for the ring. Then you put the money down for your first and last month rent. Then you have kids and it's like that times a million, yeah. right? Like you're. You're pushing yourself at your job. You're more productive. You're pushing your boss to pay you more. You're you're driving yourself because of your family. And, and this is a central thing. Like people have it totally backwards today. We don't work for ourselves. We work for our families. Like the whole reason I go to work every day is because I want my kids to have a better future. Mm. I want them to have good education. I want them to have a brighter. I mean, I'm lucky, right? Because I, my money can not only go towards paying for the education, but my work is going towards making sure they have a better country. But I go to work for my family. I don't go to work for myself. Like I'm not building a career so that people write in the history books a hundred years from now. Oh, Terry Schilling opposed transgender sports. That's weird. Right? Like, I mean, no one should be remembered for doing something as simple as like keeping boys out of girls sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing about family formation is like you have babies, you have kids and it pushes you. It's, it's a pressure you can't explain Mm -hmm. and it's a drive. You can't explain like your kids force you. You want to die for your kids. Like you don't want your kids to ever experience pain or suffering. It, It breaks your heart. So you work your ass off, you do everything you can, you make more money. And that's really, I think what's driving a lot of this malaise that we have is like kids aren't getting married. So they don't care about anyone besides themselves. So they're fine living in their parents' basement. Then when they do get married, they're not having kids. So they're fine just go climbing mountains on the weekends. You know, like it's just about having having kids, getting married, and turning the country around. Yeah, I, you know, I certainly see that with um, a lot of people that I that I work with. Um, you know, I run the the DC office of Native, which is like a web development and digital marketing mm-hmm. agency in the. And the two folks that that kind of run it are both parents mm-hmm. and they're married. And everything that we've worked on, you know, over the last couple of years has kind of had this um, veneer of like providing for their families and, and, and providing for um, an urgency, the community. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's 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 how they like set the table with mm-hmm. food. That's how they feed their family. You know, John. 
uh, the CEO of Native has seven kids. Like that sounds radical to a lot of people today. It probably doesn't sound radical to you because you have five. But I mean, like when I think about John and when I think about, you know, Max, these 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 two guys who have families, like mm-hmm. I'm just like filled with admiration for mm-hmm. them, you know, and 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 just kind of what they're what they're pursuing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in, in feeding their families. I do want to ask, you know, one specific question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about um, Hungary's family mm-hmm. policy a lot and their, you know, tax policy as it relates to uh, families having kids. I heard the um, Hungarian ambassador here in D.C. talk once uh, about, you know, uh, Hungary's tax policy and how they incentivize people um, having children, having families. I've seen you talk about it. I've seen, um, you know, John Schweppe, who is a, an associate of yours, talk about it. Want to give him a quick shout out. Um, you know, just tell us more about, you know, Hungary's family policy and how we could kind of adapt it mm-hmm. to the United States and, you know, a much bigger country with, with many more people. But how could we use kind of their framework to incentivize American families to, to, you know, married couples to have children. So what hunger, the genius of what Hungary did was they tied everything to family formation and working with the Hungarian embassy on their policies is what gave you the idea for that student loan relief. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's great. But, but they've come up with some pretty ingenious ideas. You know, if you have four children, you don't pay any more social security tax you don't pay any more federal income taxes in hungary that's incredible that's an incredible yeah. incentive and and the genius of it is women will still be able to work but they'll get to keep a hundred percent of their paycheck mm-hmm. and those employers are now incentivized to hire women like that because they don't have to pay the other end of it mm. you know it's it's really smart stuff it puts the family at the heart of public policy which is the entire mission of app we've worked extensively with the hungarian embassy they're they're maniacs I mean, they're maniacs for the family. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. I want to replicate it here. I wish that our government valued families this way. You know, if we just treated families as equally as we treat Google in this country, we would be so much better off. Mm. Like, so much better off. Like, the thing is, like, what is the point of life? Is the point of life... Maximizing shareholder value. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's Many right. people are saying that's this. Right. <laughs> but who's happier at the end of the day? The billionaire who started Google, who has no children, or the poor, you know, union guy who has 10 kids, 47 grandchildren, and 182 mm. great grandchildren. Who's happier at the end of their lives? That's the American dream. And who right has there. the and and by the way, who has the bigger legacy? Mm. I think it I think it's questionable. Like the guy that has like like my dad, for example, right? Like he's got stage four cancer. It's the most tragic thing we've had to experience. But he's got 10 kids, right? So he's 57 years old. My mom is 56, 55. I can't remember. She's like 20 years older than me. She's but in her 50s. She's in her 50s. <laughs> I don't want to out her. But she's got 10 kids to, like, help her if things go really south with him, right? That's beautiful. That's a legacy. And guess what? So we've got 10 kids. Only four of us are married, by the way. And there are 14 grandkids already. How many great-grandchildren is Bobby Schilling 
from Western Illinois going to have? The family name's going to live on. It's going to live on, right? And it's really beautiful. He's going to have a long legacy. The Schillings are a political dynasty. Dude, we're building it. We're the new Kennedys. We're going to get it right where the Kennedys went wrong. Right? Like, we're going to be pro-life. We're going to be pro-family. We're going to have a t- even more kids. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you know, the, the one thing that I am curious about, Terry, is we've talked about public policy solutions when it comes to the question of of family formation and, and what people should be doing. But what's something that individual people should be doing? What's something individual men should be doing mm. uh, in terms of doing the best they can for their country, their families and themselves along the lines of the values that APP cares about? Mm-hmm. It's a deep question. You guys are asking the... So look, I, I've I gotten think... enough bourbon into you now. No, 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 you, you're getting, it. it's true serum. It's true serum. <laughs> So I think it all comes down to God, family, and country, right? Like if you really want to change the world, those are the three things that you care about in that order. Mm. So like you can't be a really good father and you're not going to be a good father and have a ton of kids if you don't prioritize God. If you don't trust God, he's going to provide for you. It's just, you know, you're not going to work out as being a husband and a father because being a husband and a father is super hard. Like, I know I make it look easy because I'm so handsome and, you know, I have <laughs> and your but wife I, talked so positively <laughs> about you. on Clubhouse. I, I will say I was I was unironically surprised when I found out you had five kids because you actually do manifest as a lot younger and a lot less jaded than that would Thank lead you. you to I really appreciate uh, you. You seem to actually enjoy being a dad and a father, which is is very cool. Um, Let's just advocate for your wife for a quick second. Yeah. Terry is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Katie is an angel for putting up with you. <laughs> she's I actually think she's going to be a rock star on Clubhouse. It's this new social media platform. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah, we're on it all the time. <laughs> and we and we talk to Katie on it all the time, by the way. She's on it more than you. She's so. great. No, she's gotten me turned on. Like, I didn't really understand what Clubhouse was in the beginning, but... She got me turned on and she's like, you got to get on here. They're talking about women's sports. Like she's, she's she's great great on it. She's, and she's leading a lot of these discussions, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like I started a room with my, uh, with my buddy Hunter, um, uh, from college a couple weeks ago. And, or I guess it was last week times flying by. Um, and we started talking about like American aestheticism. and your wife just hops in and like has a bunch of comments about it. And she was just she was delightful, so kind, and and had a lot of great opinions. Yeah, by dude, the way, all I know is that so she's is a, hot. Is a piece of advice. <laughs> that's, it. that's all I know is that she's hot. She's super smart, but she's mostly hot. Yeah. Is this another piece of advice? Is marry up like you did? Yes, obviously, marry up. Like, don't be an idiot. Don't marry someone that's like not a good person. Definitely don't marry someone that's like not cool. Mm. Um, and you know, honestly, have these discussions early on. Right. Like when you first start dating someone, like ask them about how many kids they want to have, because that question right there, the answer to it will tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. When they say, I don't want to have kids, that's a red flag. Yeah. You uh, should run, run, <laughs> run. Because look, the, the, like I don't want to get too like granular, but like children are, 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 are literally the creation of you and your spouse. Right. Like so it's like how how much you love each other is like how many kids you want to have. So if you tell, like, if you meet someone on a first date, if they tell you they only want to, they don't have any kids, like maybe they're telling you they don't really like you. All right. But like, if they tell you they want to have a million, if I said to my wife, I want to have a million kids with you. Is that more or less romantic than saying, I don't want to have any kids with you. Definitely more. Read off the principles, Saran. 
What the is American the family rooted in faith and tradition is the bedrock of this nation and must be supported. That is American moments. Number one priority. It's it, it, it should be everyone's number one priority. Yeah. And this is why I love working with you guys. This is why I've, we, I started following you on Twitter because your Twitter was hot fire. It was great. <laughs> no, it, I, I mean, I don't know the, the, you know, the young kids speak like, the, yeah. like you guys do, but yeah. Fire is okay. It was, yeah, it was, it was quote fire. We won't okay boomer you for that one. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. I, and by the way, I'm I'm like halfway between Gen X and Millennial. Yeah, you're I was going to ask if you're a Gen X or a Millennial. How old are you, Terry? I'm 34. Okay, so I, but like, you I, come off as younger than that. I would actually not have suspected that. Wow. Yeah. I was off. I was going to say you were like 30. That's what I was going to say. 29, 30. Pretty close. I mean, I'm in my lower 30s. So I'm like, if you were going to you know, round up or round down, you'd have to round yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. So I'm 34. Yeah. But I'm 34 and a half. So would you round to 35 and then 40? <laughs> I, this gets so confusing. We're talking numbers. I just want to talk children and procreation. That's like, right. We'll just well, talk that, sex. That, those are also numbers. How many kids you're going to have. And, and, and hopefully we all have as many as we possibly can. Look, Terry, I mean, we love working with you at American Moment. We love what American Principles Project is doing. Mm. Where can people find out more about what you guys are doing at APP and uh, and and what's the what's kind of call to action for them if they're you know passionate about these issues? So it's very simple. AmericanPrinciplesProject.org uh, is our website. We're building the NRA for families. So if you think that the family is important, if you think that the family's under attack and that we should be defending it, go to our website, sign up, defend it. Like we will put you to work. I'm going to sign up right now. Campaigns <laughs> and elections. It's what makes, it's the difference between being able to change policy and not be able to change policy, literally. Mm. And that's what we're doing. We're organizing families and pro-family advocates in politics to fight the enemies of the American way of life. And if you think that they're, is a threat to the family. If you think they're America's under attack, join us. Like we're cool. Trust me. Like we're taking on issues that no one else is willing to take on. Like we're risky. We we smoke cigarettes sometimes. We drink whiskey, obviously. Like we like to have fun. We we like life. And um, uh, sign up. Like we're gonna put you to work, and we're gonna have a lot of fun on the way doing it. I gotta say, I really love recording. Like. Monday or Tuesday nights when we get to drink a little whiskey with someone who's like based and gets it. We get to unwind a little bit. Like yeah. it is it is your moral obligation, men who are listening, to get married and have a family. That's right. Um, get married early. Get married early and have a family. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. You heard it from yeah. Terry. That's right. And, and look, it's because APP and you and your entire team are risky that we asked you to be part of our board mm -hmm. of advisors. And uh, we think it's extraordinarily mm -hmm. admirable. You guys have courage in a town that's lacking it in mm -hmm. huge quantities. And thank you for everything you guys do. And thank you for coming on the podcast, Terry. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come and uh, get uh, buzz with you guys again soon. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> thank you, Terry. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Every week after we have our guest, we love to dive into some of the elements on AmCanon, 
our aggregator of the best books, essays, podcasts, YouTube videos, short pieces, Twitter clips, newsletters, and so on that we find across the internet and in print that is influential in helping us shape our worldview, and we hope yours as well. Directly relating to some of the stuff we talked about on the podcast today, I wanted to highlight a piece by one of the dear friends of American Moment, Pascal Emmanuel Gobry. I may have pronounced that wrong. He's French, you know, so so obviously he gets some demerits We forgive there. him. That's right. We <laughs> forgive him for being French. We regularly get into this, this uh, you know, uh, a little bit of a tiff on Twitter because, you know, as good Americans, we have a deep, uh, you know, and, and, and soul-felt bigotry against the French. But Pascal <laughs> writes a fantastic piece over in American greatness called the science-based case for ending the porn epidemic. We asked Terry a little bit about what the secular case against some of the issues around pornography are on the podcast, but Pascal makes a full-scale argument in this piece, and I highly recommend you check it out. If you're interacting with friends who, you know, maybe don't buy into the first principles-oriented uh, arguments for for social conservative values, make an evidence-based one based on the arguments that you'll read in this piece. It really is fantastic, and it highlights one of the least talked about crises in our time, which is what the proliferation of violent and degenerate internet pornography is doing to young men and women alike. And it's it's just a topic that's not really talked about. It's something we got into during our podcast episode. And it's something that, frankly, people need to be talking more about with their friends and their families because more people are af- affected by porn addiction than we give credit for. So I think that that's a piece really worth highlighting on Amcanon. Nick, what did you want to bring attention to this week? I mean, I got to say like that that piece is one of the most deeply radicalizing pieces I've ever ever seen about pornography because not only does it approach it from a you know philosophical and like moral position but it also talks about like if you're not a christian if you don't you know ascribe yourself to these like judeo-christian values like why scientifically it's actually bad for you to watch pornography um so anyway i just love that piece uh it was deeply formative for me um the other piece that I would really like to highlight is a piece by Johnny Burtka, who is now, um, you know, in charge at the Intercollegiate Studies Institute, ISI. Um, and he wrote this piece at the American Conservative while he was still there called It's Time for the GOP to Focus on the Family, talking about how it was a moral imperative for men and women to focus on you know, family creation, uh, as well as government policy that incentivized family creation. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that we see now, and, and you know, I certainly feel this being in a uh, long-term relationship that's uh, hopefully headed towards uh, marriage and, and children is that, uh, you know, it's it's incredibly difficult with increased cost of, you know, housing and education and just like way of life, um, you know, how the Republican Party could really take the mantle of the party of the family um, and incentivize people to continue to get married and have children. Uh, This is also another deeply radicalizing piece to me uh, that I read shortly before, like getting into a into a long term relationship and really cemented to me how important it is to, you know, uh, for families to 
or for men, I guess, to, to get married and have children. Uh, it's the best thing that you can do for your local community, for your society, and for the United States. So um, that is certainly one of the best pieces that I've read in the last two years. American Moment's mission is to identify, educate, and credential young Americans to, in our words, promote public policy that supports strong families, a sovereign nation, and prosperity for all. And there's a reason that strong families is at the beginning of that. Mm. If a civilization doesn't support and advance the interests of families, it's doomed to a dead end. It's why we've devoted an entire section to family and culture on AmCanon, and it's why that's uh, our number one priority. Uh, I, 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 I name-checked it in the episode, but I'll do it again. The American family, rooted in faith and tradition, is the bedrock of this nation and must be supported. I'll be honest, that's a litmus test for us at American Moment. If you don't believe and recognize that, you're probably not a good fit for what we're trying to do because we recognize that one of the chief civilizational crises facing this time and this American Moment, to use the style guide <laughs> phrasing, is the cratering rates of marriage and family formation. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you'll enjoy those pieces on AmCanon. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe this to this podcast. And give us five stars. That's right. Well, that's that's the rating. And then also maybe write a review talking about how much you love it. And if you don't, well, then maybe just don't write anything at all. Please be sure to, to check out the website, AmericanMoment.org. You can find links to our social media there. We're AmMoment.org on most platforms. And please be sure to share our stuff far and wide. I've been honestly floored. And and look, I'm in D.C. We, we're in the swamp. People probably listen to political podcasts out here more commonly than they listen to them in the rest of the country. But I run into people who already are devoted listeners to Moment of Truth. We're extraordinarily grateful to have those listeners. And we're extraordinarily grateful to you if you would pass along the good word about what we're trying to do at Moment of Truth and at American Moment more broadly. Thank you for listening. And we hope you have a great week. Thank you.